We've been in this series called Relationship Goals. And uh, you, you, you that have been a part of it, you know that in the last three weeks, we've given you one simple goal every single week that will help you strengthen your relationships. Because that's really our heart, is to come alongside you, not allow the enemy any footholds in our relationships, because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and tear those down. And so this series has been about building that up, about forming foundations of trust and faithfulness in the relationship. Well, today, I'm super excited because it's all kind of led up until this weekend uh, where we have a special guest with us. Her name is Shanti Feldhahn, and she comes from Atlanta, Georgia. She is a, a speaker all over the world, really. She's written over 23 books. Shanti uh, received her graduate degree from Harvard University, so she's got some brains, all right? She's smart. She's a very smart woman. And she started on Wall Street as an analyst, then became a social researcher and started putting those social research skills really to developing those books. And one of the books that we've talked about is that four women only that sold over 2 million copies around the world and is in 23 different languages. And so we are so grateful that Shanti is here with us this weekend. Would you guys do me a big favor and let's welcome Shanti Feldhahn to the platform today. Come on, give her your love. Hey, thank Shanti. You. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for what, being with us. You guys can have a seat. It's such um, a pleasure to be here. What a great In Erie, community. Pennsylvania. Hey, but you guys have a fantastic community here. Listen, this, this winter awesome. hasn't been too bad so far. In fact, yes. yesterday was okay with you traveling up. So yes, that's, it was sunshiny. That's it good. Was awesome. uh, I do want to apologize real quickly to those of you who have been hearing me say, Shanti's going to be in the house. Shanti's going to be in the house. Shanti's going to be in the house. Some of you thought uh, this was the Shanti that I was referring to right here. <laughs> Obviously not you. Slightly different, yes. Doesn't look a thing like you. Slightly um, different, At all. Yes. Sean, you know, that's the insanity. Hip-hop abs, Shanti, right there. <laughs> um, but we have the better version, I believe, oh, today. That's going to really kind of speak into our relationships and our lives here uh, at the church. And so really want to kind of just dive into some of the books that you've written. We have yeah. four of them right here. We have several more out in the yeah. lobby, actually. Uh, and Shanti will be happy to connect with you guys uh, to, you know, sign books. Uh, but in between services, even tonight, she's willing to do that as well. And know that all the proceeds from her, her book sales actually go to her staff, not yeah. to them. It's just the way that she gets the word out that's so desperately needed in our world today. Um, and so it all kind of kicked off with, with this one. I think, I don't, I don't know yeah. the order of your books. I know you wrote some novels ahead of time, but Four Women Only was kind of one of the, the first ones. How did that all come about? What inspired you to write that? How did you come to learn so much about, about men, really? So I really stumbled over this. It was the craziest thing that happened when we left New York and moved down to Atlanta. It's sort of a long story, but um, I had this opportunity to write a couple of novels, and this whole thing started because one of the main characters in the novel that I was writing was a man. And I realized I didn't know how to put thoughts in his head. Like, <laughs> I, you know, what do I know about what a guy is thinking? But I had to say what my main character was thinking, right? right? And so this whole thing started because I would ask Jeff or... You know, we'd be out to dinner with another couple, and I'd go to the other husband, and I'd say, okay, here's this scene in this book. What would you be thinking if this was you? And ladies, as these men started telling me what they'd actually be thinking, half the time I was like, 
seriously? Like, I was so, <laughs> I found myself really shocked, to be candid, about some of the things they were telling me. And, and I think that's kind of when the analyst hat went on, because I realized what I was hearing was really, really important, like really foundational stuff. And God made this amazing way for me to do this big national survey of men, and that's what became For Women Only. And then when it sort of exploded, it ended up funding the research then to understand women, and then to understand marriages and the workplace and all the other studies that we've done over the years. So when you decided to do it, to dive into a man's world, a man's brain, yeah. was it scarier than you had anticipated? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. But, but to be candid, it was so... Um, it was really amazing because I had heard, like every other woman probably has heard, you men say things like, we're really simple. That's you right. know, we're, like, simple. we're really easy to understand. It's not true. <laughs> and, and it turns out there's so much more going on under the surface. There's so much depth. And it was actually really touching, honestly, as I started realizing what I was hearing. And it, it makes a huge difference to be able to understand a husband or a son or a boyfriend. One of those things that's going on under the surface, like you said, um, that men don't talk a lot about are our own insecurities. Um, yeah. we, don't, we don't have the same insecurities as women do. It's less about our appearance, right? Because guys can, uh, somebody who's 20, 30 pounds overweight can get up in front of a mirror, a guy, and be like, looking good, bro, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Just that's how we are. So our, yeah. our insecurity is really tied to other areas of our life. Yes. Um, talk about the insecurities that men have and how important that is for women to understand our insecurities. It's huge. It's really running under the surface of a lot that's going on in relationships is that we have these two, we all have insecurities. They tend to be different. Now, and by the way, when I say tend, I mean, really, I'm making generalizations, right? right There's right. always exceptions. What we found is it's roughly about 80% of men or about 80% of women and what for us as women, the question is so different. It's basically, um, am I lovable? That's kind of the question mm. under the surface. Am I, am I special? Am I beautiful? Am I worthy of being loved for who I am on the inside? And men's insecurity and question is very different. It's more, am I able? Mm. Am I adequate? Do I measure up? It's, it's essentially, right. am I any good at what I do on the outside? And we don't realize that insecurity is running under the surface, and it's kind of a raw nerve, honestly. We can hit it, that nerve, without knowing that that's what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, one of those things that you say in your book is that women sort of understand a man's need for respect. And while yeah. we, they might understand it a little bit, how do they actually live that out? How do they demonstrate that need for respect. Well, we don't, what we don't realize, I think, is that need for respect actually comes because of the, of the insecurity, right. of the vulnerability in there. And, and there, that question of, am I adequate, right, is, is so foundational that we don't recognize that a man's greatest need, the men, the men on the survey said, look, if I had to make a choice that they wouldn't want to have to make, right? But I would actually give up feeling that my wife loved me if I could just feel that she appreciated me. Wow. Like, that's a huge deal, a huge difference between men and women. And we women, we're so good at showing love. Like, we'll say naturally, you know, honey, I love you. And we'll do these things that we hope he'll find to be loving. That's kind of, we're trying to show him 
I care about you. And we may at the same time be criticizing him a lot, right? Or telling him what to do a lot. And um, yeah, so somebody reacted over there. <laughs> um, I, I actually... No elbows today. <laughs> so, you should have said that. So literally, I was, Jeff and I were doing a marriage conference a couple weeks ago, and I used that example of, you know, we might be telling him what to do. And I looked out in the audience, and all the men, it was hilarious. They're all like vibrating in their seats because they're going, I can't nod. <laughs> you know, I'll get in trouble if I nod. Eyes forward. Eyes forward. I, yeah, but we don't we don't realize that when we're telling him what to do, for example, hmm. we're saying, no, you're not able. Wow, wow. Like, no, what, what you did on the outside, it wasn't good enough. We, we don't recognize that that's what we're saying. Wow. And it's actually, again, because it's an insecurity and a vulnerability, it's actually painful. But do you mind if I tell the positive? No, do side? it. Is that do okay? It. So we, the thing for us to recognize is that where we love to hear I love you, because that speaks to our underground question, men's version of I love you is actually thank you. It's literally like, thanks for noticing that the light bulbs were out and changing them. That was driving me nuts. Like these little day-to-day -day wow. things. You know, like I noticed you were so tired after work and you came home and you played with the kids anyway. You're such a good dad, thank you. Like that fills up a man in the way that he's longing to be filled. I love that. Um... That men are wired differently. We're wired for uh, like competition and adventure. Yes. One of the things you talk about us being wired for is that the fact that we need to be a provider. We have yes. this inherent kind of desire to provide for our families, for our wives. Let's, can you talk about that a little bit? Help us to understand that need that we have. Yeah, so it was interesting. As I, as I started doing the research with the men, this one, what we found and what this one man, he put it perfectly, he said, it's really, you know, everybody, we as women know, men want to be the provider. What we don't realize is it's not a matter of wanting to. This one man, he said, it's not wanting to, it's having to. And it's this burden and right. this compulsion that goes so deep into a man's heart that we found statistically, even if the wife made more than enough money to support the whole family very nicely, or even if you know, she had a higher paying job, so they decided mutually that it made more sense for him to stay home with the kids, like they both made that decision. It made zero difference to wow. his feeling that it's my job to provide. And so when we don't realize that that's in there, we as women sometimes will do these things that are like guys don't get. Like I used to do this with Jeff all the time. He's an attorney. He would work all these hours and I'd greet him at the door with this like, why are you working so much? Don't you care about me? And I found out later that poor Jeff is going, do you think I want to be working this much? Like I'm doing it because I care. Right, right. And so there's a need to sort of have those conversations. So yeah. we, we want to provide, but even more than that, too, we want to please our wives. And you talk a little bit about that in your book as well, yeah. um, because we, we feel like we have value when we can please our spouse. And it's even in little things. I was thinking about this with Kristen and I, and it's, it's a silly kind of explanation or um, idea, but whenever we go out to dinner or whatever, and, and I'm like, where do you want to go to eat? And she says, I don't care. Well, first of all, I know that's, that's not true, right? <laughs> That's a trap. <laughs> she does care. And I, if I rolled up into Taco Bell for dinner, I would find out how much she cared. Um, 
but I really, when I tell her, yeah. really, where, wherever you want to go, and it kind of starts this battle because she thinks, well, I have no imagination or I'm dull or I'm just trying to put it on her. That's not really true. My, my yeah. heart really is to, to please her. Yeah. Um, so talk about that. We want to provide, but we also want to please it, You know, it's well. interesting. When we were doing the study for um, the Happy Marriages book that we'll talk about tonight, yes. the, one, the other one we're good, talking good. about tonight, one of the things that we found is that men are... And this was a statistically, the numbers were huge. I can't remember what it was, but it was like 87% or some big number that they're incredibly motivated by just wanting to make their wife happy. Right, right. Like, I just want to make her happy. And so it makes all the difference for us as women if we'll see that that's what's behind so much of this. And like, like literally like, well, okay, let's talk about where to go out to dinner. But that's like the small thing as opposed to, I'm really happy that we're going to dinner and thank you for making this a priority. And the guy said that that is everything, you know, seeing the smile that, that you make us happy. That's a big deal for guys. That's huge. We just want to please yeah. as well. Um, so let's kind of flip it over. Obviously you did the for women only. Yeah. And so I guess at some point, you know, the obvious kind of response to that, you had to do the for men only. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So how did that come about? Where did that research come from? So it came about because I would have been killed if I hadn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if, I hadn't, if I hadn't done the other side of it, you know, every woman in America would have been like. Now it's our yeah, turn. Yeah, it's our right, turn. Right. Um, but it was, it was fascinating because I honestly learned so much about myself as I was doing this. I mean, there were so many times in the middle of a focus group, the light bulb would go on and be like, Oh my gosh, that is what I'm thinking. I just wouldn't have been able to articulate it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the things that you talk about in For Men Only, which I loved, uh, because I think it's something that every guy in here wrestles with, is when their wives say, I don't feel loved. Yes. Or I have this need to, to feel loved. And a lot of times there's tension because we feel like, you know, we're, we're loving them like we know how or, or should, but they still don't feel it. What does that look like practically for us? Help us out. On yeah. how we have our wives feel. Okay, loves. so here's what's underneath that. And this is really crucial. So remember how we were talking about we each have those underground insecurities, right? right? So what women's is, am I lovable? And what you as men don't realize, you know that your wife wants to feel loved. What you don't realize is how easy it is for her to not feel loved. Mm. And that that question, am I lovable, that doesn't go away just because you got married. Like, I think for you guys as guys, like, once you get married, you don't yeah. question it. She said, I do. So we're good, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of for you. You just, it doesn't come up. There is no switch in a woman's right. brain that gets flipped to the, oh, I feel permanently loved. That's position. fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the underground question. Wow. Just like there's no switch in your brain that ever gets quip, flipped to the, oh, yeah, now I permanently measure up. I'm good. Right? Those two, those two are still there. So... In marriage, for her, it just morphs to, does he really love me? Like, would he choose me all over again? Is he glad he married me? And essentially, picture your wife is almost like one half of a, a receiver broadcaster kind of signal. Like, she's a receiver that's constantly scanning mm. for answers to that question of, am I lovable? Does he really love me? And she's looking for the signals, the answer to that every day. So it's so powerful when you show her that answer every day. And it's little ways. And it's usually the little things like, 
literally, when, you re- when you're walking across a parking lot and you reach across to take her hand, that says, I'm choosing you over again today. And, um, or like you're sitting at church or um, you're out to dinner with friends and you reach across and you know, put your arm around her in church. Like that says, I would choose you all over again. Okay, like every guy in here is like, Should Dang. I? Like, should I now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, guys. The, the women, ladies, if he does this, you're not allowed to go, you are only doing that because she told you to, right? <laughs> because this is how they felt and this is how they feel about us, but they just didn't know that some of these things mattered. Yeah. Like literally texting her during the day yeah. or listening to her at the end of a long day, these little things really signal that. And you guys do a great job at like outlining some of those small yeah, signals. the little things, yeah. That would really help uh, and for, for men only. Just kind of as a, a follow-up to that, I think um, talk about the insecurities that men feel and that women feel. Yeah. Your research indicated that women are willing to endure financial security uh, to get something even yes. more insecurity than to get something more even valuable. What's more valuable to a woman than that? So believe it or not, it's emotional security. Okay. And when we first started this, my husband was like, what's emotional security? Like he, he said, guys, don't put those words together. And, and here's, what it, here's what's going on is for you all, when I was talking to Jeff about the fact that, you know, he said, but every woman, every guy knows that women need security. But to him, he thought that that meant that I knew that the mortgage was going to be paid. Right, right? right. Or, or that, you know, we're building up funds for retirement or whatever. Like, it's all financial security in his mind. And, and as we started the research, I'm like, honey, I really honestly think that we're going to find something different. Like, that's important, sure, but it's not nearly as important as me knowing that we're always going to be close, right? right. Or um, that you're always going to be there for me. And that's so much more important than anything that you could provide. And he was like, there is no way. Like, that, is, uh, that cannot be the case. And as we started to see the numbers come back on the survey, Jeff was like, oh my gosh. Because 70% of married women said this. 70% said, if I had to make a choice, and again, you wouldn't want to, but if you had to, the women said, if I have to, I'll even endure financial hardship if that wow. is what it takes to be close with you. You know, so that you maybe as a guy are working... 70-hour weeks, 80-hour weeks, like, doggone it, this is how I'm saying I love you, right? right? I'm trying to provide. It's the opposite effect. Correct. Wow. And she's feeling abandoned. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it makes such a difference to know, for a guy to know. Like, she usually, 70%, it's not 100. Some are going to be in the 30%. Okay. But 70% of the women said, look, if I have to, I will... I will drive the cheaper cars. We can downsize our lifestyle. We'll take cheaper vacations. We'll visit friends instead of going to Disney World for a week. If, if that would enable you to take that you know, lower paying job you've been talking about, but you'd be available for me and the kids and go to Johnny's you know, right. hockey games or whatever. And, um, and that's a conversation that a lot of men just don't, they just don't think that that could possibly be true. But it's worth a conversation because it usually is. I think that's huge and very yeah. eye-opening yeah. really for us because a lot of guys, you know, we tend to believe that women are really complicated 
um, <laughs> emotionally and how women will tend to like fixate on things. I, I want to talk about that a little bit, uh, how when we, you know, we respond to things differently when, if somebody's going through an issue, we feel like yeah. it's our job to bring the solution sometimes, yes. you know, to that issue. Um, or we'll just say, hey, let it go. Just let it go. Can you help us understand a little bit how women process thoughts and emotions? Yes. So here's, here's essentially one of these areas where it turns out actually that the the male and the female brain are actually wired very differently. Like on the functional MRIs, the brain scans, you actually see structural differences. Um, and by the way, if there's any neuroscientists in the room, forgive me, I'm sort of doing my layman's version of this. Am I the this. only one? Okay. Am I the only one? <laughs> um, it's just me. The, okay. So the, the way that we put it, sort of the, the analogy, is imagine like your brain, sort of like a computer desktop. And a ma the male brain is like a computer with one window open at a time. And it's like you're thinking about one thing, one thought, one feeling, one. Right. there's something you're working on. You go very deep into it, and then you click the X, and it goes away, and you open up the next thought or the next feeling or whatever. It's very sequential. We women's computers, our brains, are, we have 10 windows open at once, and we're bouncing back and forth between all of them, all these different thoughts and feelings and different things. And Jeff always, he says, I get myself in trouble when I say this, but it's almost like your system is infected with a virus. <laughs> and, it's, and it's true, though, because we'll have another window, like a worry, something that's bugging us, and it yeah. pops up on the screen of our mind, and we click the X to make it go away, and it comes right back. And we can't get rid of it. And what happens is, if there's something that's bugging us, like, let's just say I had a a fight with you know one of my best girlfriends and she's not returning my calls or you know whatever it is and I'm upset and I'm worried and I'm talking to my husband about it and I raise it several times often Jeff and guys you'll give us this really helpful awesome advice which is honey just don't think, think about, about it. it right forget and it you're you're saying it's bugging you so click the x right right and we as women we're like I have no idea what you're talking about so for us as women, if there's something that's bugging us, we usually have to do something to address it, to resolve it. Like instead of the husband sort of getting annoyed that it keeps coming back up, the key for you that makes so much difference is next time you want to say, honey, just don't let this bother you. Just don't think about it. Stop and think to yourself, this is my chance to earn major brownie points. <laughs> like, this is my chance to really make her feel loved, to help her feel loved, because it makes so much difference. If instead of kind of, this is going to sound bad, but instead of kind of making her feel stupid hmm. for needing to, like, think about it and work, you know, figure out, you know, maybe I should text her, maybe I should call another friend and say, is she mad at me, you know, for him to actually say, would it make you feel better to do something and listen to the feelings and how she's feeling about it, that, it, it makes her feel so loved rather than telling her to click the X and make it go away, which she can't do. It's basically stop and think before we respond. Yeah. <laughs> well, and stop and think, yeah, but also just recognize she is wired differently yeah. and this is an opportunity for you to show how much you care about her. Um, let's talk about, let's go ahead and talk about sex. We were going to okay. do it at some point. We have to hit that one. Yes. So let's just dive in. You guys good with that? Um, 
what are the, the differences uh, between the way men see sex and think about sex? Because, you know, some men will say, well, you know, I need sex, I need sex, it's a need, it's a need. Um, it's not really a need, like food, water, oxygen, those, those are <laughs> needs, right? Um, but it is, it can be more than that, yeah. you know, to a guy. And you talk a lot about yeah. that in your book, For Women Only, how, how men actually view sex. Can you unpack that? Yeah, so... Um, we don't realize, we have this on both sides, actually. We have some, a really big misunderstanding in both sides. And for women, what we don't realize is what physical intimacy, what the importance of it is. Hmm. Because we think of physical intimacy in marriages, honestly, as primarily a physical need. It's a physical urge. It's, you know, that's kind of the category we put it in. And when you've been chasing little kids all day or working all day... Sleep seems like a physical need, right? That's I mean, true. that's kind of, that's what you sort of equate yeah. it. Well, both physical needs. We don't realize as women, when I was asking the men, what's the importance of this for you? What I heard from the men had nothing to do with the physical, nothing. What I kept hearing was this, this enormous emotional need that they couldn't get met any other way. And by the way, Ladies, here's what it is, the need is. It's the need that every man has to feel that his wife desires him. Wow. And that she wants him. Right. And, and here's what the other thing that just shocked me is that if a man feels that his wife desires him, it gives him confidence and mm. sort of a sense of well-being, but in all the other areas of his life, not just in the bedroom, and it works in reverse. Like if he doesn't feel desired, if he feels like it's a little too easy for her to be like, you know what, honey, I'm just really tired. It gives him this sense like, I must be so undesirable. I can't even compete with her pillow, right? right, right. And, it, and it gives him almost a dragging kind of sense of depression, sort of a lack of well-being, yeah. but in the other areas of his life. So powerful to know that. You quoted someone in your book saying, uh, a guy talking about having sex with his wife, if she only is responding because she has to, yes. right, then he feels as though that's still rejection. So if yes. she's doing it just out of duty, yeah. right, he still feels <clears throat> a sort of rejection from that. I can't remember what the number is. It's in for women only, but it was a huge number. It was like 95 or something percent of men said, if I'm getting all the sex technically that you would want, but get the sense that she's not really engaging, she doesn't desire me, it's just because she kind of has to, it doesn't, it's not doing anything because what he's most longing for is this affirmation of him. Right. And so recognizing for us as women that we're responding to that vulnerable man inside, it really, it, it makes a difference. So Shanti, is it just wishful thinking that our wives would desire us that way? <laughs> or are there things that we can do to yeah. kind of help that. So here's, it's, it's understanding what's important to women that's going to make all the difference for men okay. in that area. So it turns out that for you as guys, if it's not happening, you think there's one reason why that you're not desirable. And we actually asked the women on the survey when we did the survey of women, and of those who had a lower desire for sex than their husbands, which by the way, this is not 100%. I think it was... 18% of couples were flipped on this, pretty big number. But in the majority, we asked the women who said they wanted it less, what were all the reasons why? And you know what percent said it's because he's not desirable? 
4%. Wow. 4% said that. 96% said something else. And the biggest reason, it turns out, is this physiological difference between men and women. You mind if I explain this no, really, really brief? So it turns out there's actually two different types of desire, and that's often what's going on. So there's something called assertive desire, and someone who has assertive desire has a desire to pursue sex and to think about it all the time and be ready at a moment's notice. Guess who tends to have assertive desire, right? It tends to be tied to testosterone. My wife, she can't keep her hands off of me. Yeah, well, okay, so she has the testosterone. There you go. I tell her all the time, can we just cuddle today? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Man. Well, it turns out, okay, so that tends to be tied to testosterone, but there's another kind of desire. It's called receptive desire. And someone who has receptive desire is actually just as willing and enjoys it just as much when it's happening, but absolutely does not have the same huh. desire to pursue it and doesn't think about it all the time. And really the key is, isn't ready at a moment's notice. Right, right. That tends to be tied to estrogen and other typically female hormones. And someone, and here's the key guys, someone who has receptive desire she just needs to be approached differently. Like someone who has receptive desire, she needs to know what you've got on your menu for the evening hmm. before you get to the bedroom. <laughs> and okay, so there's a couple of guys in here who are looking alarmed. Like, you mean I need to warn her? Like that doesn't feel so good. It's probably a good idea though. Well. <laughs> just so you know. No, well, that sounds bad. It's not <laughs> warning. It's the yeah. way we put it is we call it yeah. anticipation time. Like she needs anticipation time. Right. Like literally the little flirty comment in the morning. There was something Jeff said. I was telling him thank you for something he had done in the morning one day. And he kind of raised his eyebrow and said, just remember that later tonight. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, can I use that example? Because that's yeah. actually... Yeah. It's a little comment, but it, it wakes her brain up to something that now she's anticipating it, where before it would have caught her off guard. I know that sounds really weird to men. Like, they're, they're kind of like, how can you not be thinking about it? But we're just physically different. It's very different. Um, one of those ways we're wired different is visually, too. And you yes. talk a lot about that in your book. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is the guys have this mental Rolodex now. Like you said earlier, a lot of people might not even know what that is. Yeah, anybody under 30 is like, what? What's a Rolodex? What's a Rolodex? Um, yeah. but could you talk about that and kind of what that means sure. in the way that we're wired versus the way that women are wired? Yeah, so this visual thing, let me tell you, ladies, and, and talking about how guys are wired here, listen, I know that this is, can be awkward for some right. people. This is so crucial. There is, we realize in doing this research, there is no other issue, none that affects hmm. so many millions and millions and millions of men and boys every day. Because it's everywhere. Everywhere, that so many millions of women are completely blind to. Wow. And it's essentially that every day in public, our men's brains are actually being stimulated, involuntarily stimulated by sights and images that were only supposed to be seen in private. And it's the way that God has wired our brains. This is another area where there's actually some structural differences. Um, so do you mind if I explain no, the please. brain wiring? Yeah, okay. no, so it turns out there's a part 
um, in near the back of the brain called the nucleus accumbens. And it's the part of the brain that um, is involuntarily triggered when, let's just say you haven't eaten all day, you're really hungry, and you walk into a room and you see food across the room. You, everybody knows that feeling of having this kind of physical response, this involuntary trigger where you're like drawn to that. You can feel that response. And then the very next second, the cortical centers or the thinking centers at the front of the brain light up and you go, oh wait, nobody's eating yet. You know, sort of wait for a minute. Right. And it turns out that when a guy, when the male brain sees one of those images of a woman who's calling overt attention to a good figure, so like the, com the commercial that flashes up on the screen or the you know, girl walking across the street or the woman at the office or whatever with you know, the button buttoned too low or whatever, it, it, his nucleus accumbens is automatically triggered. It's completely involuntary. There's literally nothing he can do because it's designed to be stimulated mm. that way. And then the very next second, his cortical centers or his thinking centers light up and he goes, don't look there, right? Don't look, think about football <laughs> scores, <laughs> right? That's like, right. think about my wife. Baseball, 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 baseball right? Like, and he's basically, what it is, it's a little intra-brain war because this biology is triggered. Hmm. There's nothing he can do about that. But then the thinking is, and when the thinking lights up, that's what he can do something about. And so he's pulling his thoughts away, this little war. Well, the reason we as women don't get that is because it's a completely different process. When we see the attractive image, our nucleus accumbens stays dark. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. So when I showed you the picture of the other Shanti, yes. it did nothing for you. Believe it or not, no. Like we women, here's what happens. The nucleus accumbens doesn't light up. That stimulation doesn't happen. And instead, what happens oh. is our thinking centers or our cortical centers light up from the beginning. So we see the image and we're like, <laughs> he's an attractive man. And that's about it. It stops there. <laughs> right. It, that's kind of wow. it for most. I mean, there's a, there's a percentage. Which that, is good news for the guys that don't look like Shanti. Yes, right? exactly. Exactly. It doesn't all hinge on that. So yes, that's good. exactly. But that's the reason that we don't understand this intra-brain war right. that is affecting our husbands and our sons. It's huge. Every day in this culture because their brains are constantly being stimulated by images that they were never supposed to see except the way God wired it, the very first image a man would ever see in this way would be of his wife on their wedding night. And then it's like, yeah, baby, right? Like, that's a good thing. But the problem is, is that's happening now from the earliest ages in our, with our boys. Yeah. And so it makes a huge difference for us as women to recognize that this, A, this is happening, and B, there's this, big distinction between temptation and sin. Like, right. you know, Hebrews, I think it is, where Jesus, where um, the author said Jesus was tempted in every way and yet without sin. Yeah. So the issue isn't the automatic stimulation. I mean, you, you ladies, one guy described it as, you know, think about walking through a mall and every girl, you know, to telling, trying to explain this to us as women, imagine that every guy who passed you, like, ran his arms hands down your arm, or touch your shoulder, or you're sitting in the food court and he puts his hand on your knee. 
Like you're designed to be stimulated by that, so your body feels it, but it's like creepy, like stop it. And so many guys said, I wish I could turn that off when I'm out in public. I just, I want it when I'm alone with my wife, but I wish I wasn't stimulated It's a huge battle. It's a huge war that goes on. And I think uh, one of the things that you draw attention to uh, in your book is you quote a guy saying, if I'm in Home Depot, minding my own business, and a woman with a great body walks in, even if I turn away, you know, I do the thing I'm supposed to and flee and all that, I'm still aware that she's in the Home Depot somewhere. Yes. Right? And so we kind of have this, this radar. And, I, and while it's true, it's exactly true, I think a lot of women hear that and they think, you pervert, right? Yes. That's disgusting. That's gross. That's nasty. Yeah. And so a lot of times we're even, you know, not willing to engage in that conversation. Not, we don't want to talk about it. Right? Yeah. Because the way it's viewed. But like you said, it's this involuntary Thing. You know, kind and, of thing. And let me tell you, I believe me, when I first started hearing this, I'm like, you've got to be kidding. I mean, right. I was mad. I was, you know, I was thinking, you're saying boys will be boys. And I'm like, no. And, huh. and then I started realizing, no, wait a minute. Like, literally, my husband, you know, trying to understand some of the struggles that he was having, this made me so much more... I. You don't excuse poor choices, but you have so much more empathy for what's actually going on. And I wanted to know what was going on that my husband was facing every day or my son. I have now a 16-year-old son. Like, it makes me mad that our men have to deal with this. And, um, And recognizing, it took me a minute to, like, realize, but when my husband was finally trying to talk to me about this, and he would say, talk about like the Home Depot example, and say, you know, he's turning away, and he's trying to do the right thing, you know, look away, but he's always aware uh, that she's in there, I realized, you know what, he's honoring me, he's choosing to try as best he can to honor me, and to pull his thoughts away, and honor God, in a really difficult culture, I should be saying thank you, instead of getting mad at him for having the Stimulation. Yeah, reward those guys that are actually engaging in the war. Yeah. Right? Well, and recognize and recognize that it is a war, and so some men will have been wounded, right? right? Like right. that, there will be guys who find that struggle very difficult, and you know, especially like if they started being trapped by it when they were middle in middle school or whatever. And recognize that this is why we have to be able to be a safe place to have those conversations. And I, I know not every woman is going to be in the same place, but I want to know. I want to be able yeah. to hear my husband's heart on this. So when the women understand that, you know, that's a battle that's going on. Yeah. Talk about, though, still how it affects women. women because, yeah. you know, they got to know. So here's the thing, guys, you need to know. Okay, I've just been telling the women what they need to know. Guys, you need to know, we notice the Home Depot girl too. Hmm. And we don't look like that. We see all of those women. We see the Cosmo covers. And we instinctively, because that's our insecurity, you know, that am I beautiful thing, we kind of think, I'm supposed to look like that. And so when we see your head go like that, you've just told us, that's what I want. And you don't look like Hmm. that. It's really, really tough. That's why so many men are like, yeah, I'm struggling with this, but you know, my wife knows that it doesn't say anything about how much I love her. 
Absolutely not. It does not say that at all. It says, I want this, not you. And so just recognize there is a huge power in really wrestling with this and really, like, if you need extra help, get it. And, you know, be able to talk about this with your wife because she needs to know that you care about her. All the more reason for us to really understand one another, which is what you're going to help us do tonight. Yes, yes. Right? Another session. Shanti's going to be back this this evening to talk just about like couples and and happy couples and what that looks like and the keys to finding success in that. So don't miss that. Whatever you do, don't miss that. Hey, uh, thank you so much for spending the weekend with us. I have one more question though uh, before we kind of wrap up today uh, and get ready for this evening. All the study, all the research that you did, I'm sure hours and hours upon hours of it, (laughs) was there anything just surprising to you? I mean, there's probably a lot. What was the most surprising thing you discovered? Listen, at the end of the survey, we were so shocked because we gave the the men and the women like a blank space and said, what's the one most important thing, like to the husbands, what's the one most important thing you wish your wife knew but feel she doesn't understand? You know, same question for the men and women. And I was thinking I'd get a list of issues and I would categorize it. And instead, I almost started crying when I got the spreadsheets back because the the men's was the one most important thing I wish my wife knew is how much I love her. And the women's was the most important thing I wish she understood is how much I need him. And this is how we feel about each other. We care about each other. It's just we don't always know these things so we don't necessarily know how to show it but it was really it was really good news it so means good. we can come together it's awesome awesome thank you so much shanti hey before we leave would you mind praying for us today yeah. praying for our marriages and Absolutely. relationships i'd love that lord i'm so grateful for a church that cares about marriages I'm so grateful for that. And Lord, I pray for your blessing over every marriage represented in this church and every one that will come to be. And Lord, I know there's probably some, some couples who walked in here in a struggling kind of season. And Lord, I just pray that you would infuse new hope, that they would be able to go and talk about these things. And is this true? Is this how you feel? And Lord, I just pray for your protection over those conversations. Lord, for the folks in here who have wonderful marriages, who, Lord, who just enjoy that being married every day, we're grateful for that. And Lord, we know that a a Christian marriage is ultimately supposed to be a picture of the closeness between Christ and the church and supposed to point people to the Father. And so I pray that the marriages in this church would be a light to a watching world that desperately needs it. We're grateful to be your children, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we thank Shanti one more time, you guys? It's been so great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.